So this morning we are going to start something that uh, I got a word of the Lord several weeks ago and I wanted to start this before Easter but we just didn't have enough Sundays to put it together in a row. So today is the first Sunday of six that we're going to be talking about how to, in practical fact, in Union County in 2017, how do we love our neighbor? What does that look like? It doesn't mean we have feelings for them. And it doesn't mean that we have good intentions, but we're too busy to actually do anything. Uh, What does it mean to love our neighbor, and how do we take care of people according to Scripture, and according to wisdom, and according to skill? How do we interact with people? How do we take care of people? How do we share the gospel in a way that isn't creepy? We're going to talk about uh, quite a few different things. How do we relate as a church, and so on. And, And so, this morning, we're going to start with hospitality because it's the foundation of everything. It's the foundation of all of our taking care of each other in the church, taking care of our neighbor, taking care of people that can't take care of themselves. Um, when the Bible uses the word hospitality, it means to host people or to entertain them in our homes and, and to know people, to love them and take care of them. Uh, what we're going to do this morning is quite different. We're going to have Becky Foster speak a little bit first and then Sarah Coaston, and then I'm going to follow up and, and close that. So Uh, Here's Becky Foster. Good morning. I was really excited when Pastor Mitch asked me if I would share this morning because last fall, this topic had begun to stir in my heart, actually. And um, I just filed it away, not knowing what the purpose in it was, but I, you know, the Lord had been speaking to me about putting my thoughts on hospitality down and what the word of God has to say about it, begin to write it out. And so a few weeks ago when he said, I'd like you to share on this one, right on, this is great. This is something that Ken and I are really passionate about. He comes by it naturally. It's something I've had to grow in and the Lord's had to work in me. Um, But natural or not, whether or not it comes naturally to us, we are commanded in Scripture, in the New Testament, to extend hospitality, to live a life of being hospitable. It's not a gift. It's not listed in the, in the gifts um, that Paul talks about, our spiritual gifts. It's a command. So you don't get a pass. You can't say, well, this isn't my gift. Um, I can't do it. I'm sorry. You're commanded to do it in scripture. And God, um, in his word, in starting in Genesis, all the way through Revelation, we see God's heart for hospitality from the very beginning. So I'd like to take a look in Genesis 18. I'm going to go back to Abraham. Okay, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sayas of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. 
He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before him. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. This kind of cracks me up. Poor Sarah. She's just doing her daily business, and Abraham comes running in. Quick, quick, we've got visitors. Make some bread. And, you know, okay. But hospitality in the ancient Middle Eastern world was very, very, very important. And it really focused on the foreigner, the traveler, um, the people in need. Um, the, the, the plight of the foreigner or the alien was really a desperate one in these times. They, did, they lacked community. They, didn't, they lacked membership in the community. Um, the widows and the orphans and those who were traveling, they lacked family connection, community connection, the means of making a living, protection. So in the ancient world, the practice of hospitality meant graciously receiving these people into your home and providing for their needs. And that's still the way it is in most of the world today. Not so much here in the United States. We've lost that. But Ken and I have traveled pretty extensively through Asia. He's been to Africa. I've spent time, live, I lived in Mexico. I've traveled in South America. And everywhere I've gone, people open their home. They extend hospitality. We've been, I remember in the Philippines, we were just walking down the street one day. I'm like seven months pregnant with John. And we, I think we were going to the market. And this, this lady flags us down. She's like, come, come into our house. And I know part of it is because we we're Westerners and, you know, kind of a, an oddity. We stuck out. But still, this was true of everywhere we went. So we walk into her little Nipah hut, dirt floors. She doesn't have much, but she brings out the Coca-Cola and a little uh, box of cookies. And she wants us to sit down, and she wants to, to share with us about her life. And she extended hospitality to us. And that is the way it is in most of the world. It's... What I have, the little I have, I graciously share with you. It's an honor to have you in my home, and I, I want to show you that honor. So, repeatedly, God's instructions to the Israelites were to extend to the people around them hospitality. So we see in Scripture, it's God's design. This is God's heart from the beginning, and Jesus lived it out. We see it, we see him living it out in his time on the earth, and then he charged the church to do the same. He gave us the responsibility to open our homes, to open our hearts, and to extend our lives to those around us, as he did for us. So I'd like to talk a little bit about to whom do we show hospitality? Well, first... It's to one another in the church. This is where it begins with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. In Acts 2, 42 through 47, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. 
All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we can see here that a foundational piece of growth in the early church was that they broke bread in their homes together. They ate together. And then what happened? The Lord added to their numbers daily. It wasn't just the signs and wonders and miracles. That was a part of it. It was a big part of it. But it was the fact that the the believers, the, the saints, were in unity They were in fellowship and in communion with one another. And I believe that that caused the world around them to sit up and notice. What what are these strange followers of Jesus? Who who are they that they love each other enough to fellowship together daily, to break bread with one another daily? And I think it's the same for us today, that if we really want to affect this community, this valley, the state, our nation, where does it begin? It begins with the communion and the fellowship of the saints around the table in our homes. This is where it begins because when they see that we love one another, truly love one another, that we enjoy being together, they're going to sit up and go, who are these strange Christians? Who are these people? Because they don't have that out there. Families are fractured and broken and so when they see that unity and the, and the communion and, and the fellowship, it, they take notice. It sets us apart. In 1 Peter 4, 8 through 9, it says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And in this scripture, hospitality means being generous to guests or uh, being given to or a lover of hospitality. So I'm going to be real honest with you guys. I have grumbled. Okay? In fact, just a few weeks ago as I was preparing to receive a house full of guests, I'm mopping my floors and thinking they're just going to get trashed anyway People are going to come in with their muddy feet, and why do I do this? And this is so much work. And I began to grumble in my heart as I'm mopping. And the Holy Spirit just stopped me short. He said, stop it. Stop your grumbling. Stop your complaining. It is an honor and a privilege to prepare your home to receive people. This is a blessing. It is a joy. And so I had to repent right there. Okay, Lord, you're right. I'm sorry. Um, Help me to to really embrace this as a blessing. So we show hospitality first to one another within the body. Secondly, we show hospitality to the orphan, to the widow, to the broken, the crippled, the blind, We don't have necessarily crippled and lame people among us like Jesus did, but we have people who are spiritually crippled, spiritually 
blind, spiritually broken. And in Psalm 68, 6, it says, God sets the lonely in families. This is such a beautiful verse to me. Such a beautiful verse. Because God sees and he knows the plight of the widow and the orphan and the person who is lonely and, and the person without family. And family is God's design from the garden. This is his heart, that we be a part of a family. And so here he's saying, you don't have a family? Don't worry. I'll set you in one. I will put you with family. I will set you at a table where there is communion, where there is acceptance, where there is belonging, where you're loved, where you're appreciated. And we, the body of Christ, get the privilege to open our homes and our hearts and be family to those who have none. Or maybe they have one, but it's broken and dysfunctional and you know, this person doesn't want to go home on Thanksgiving because its home is, is a painful place to be. So we invite them in. We say, you can be part of this family. Here you are loved. Here you are accepted. So God's heart is for the lonely, the solitary, those who have no place to call home, and he sets them in family. This is hospitality. Isaiah 58, 6 through seven says is not this the kind of fasting i have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke is it not to share your food with the hungry to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood and then Matthew 25, 34 says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So as we give our time, as we give our resources, when we open our homes, and we give of ourselves in generous, gracious hospitality, we are doing it to Jesus. What an incredible, beautiful gift we get to offer him. So when you struggle with finding the time to open your home, or even the desire to do it, remember, you get to do this to Jesus. You get to. It's a privilege. And as we think of it that way, it shifts our focus, and we begin more and more to, to find the joy in serving and loving people in this way. So we show hospitality to one another. We show hospitality to the widow, the orphan, the lonely. 
And thirdly, we show hospitality to the stranger, the alien among us. Deuteronomy 10:19 says, "You shall also love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt." And over and over and over, God's instructions to the Israelites were, "Take care of the stranger, take care of the alien, provide for them." Romans 12:13 says, "Share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality." And hospitality in this verse, when I looked it up in the Greek, it's specifically speaking of hospitality to the stranger, to the person you don't know. And then Hebrews 13:2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels without knowing. And then going back to what we read in Matthew 25, Jesus said, I was a stranger and you invited me in. So who's the stranger among you? It could be the person sitting right next to you this morning that you, that you come to church with Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, but you don't know their name. Or maybe you know their name, but that's about the extent of it. It might be the neighbor that you've never met. It could be even an employee at Walmart. And I have a little story about that. So... Several Thanksgivings ago, I don't remember, we were trying to, Ken and I were trying to remember last night, probably four or five, um, my cutting, or Ken broke my cutting board. So this is Thanksgiving Day. I need my cutting board. I have a turkey I'm going to have to carve, and, you know, and I was kind of panicking. So I said, well, can you please go to Walmart? I know it's Thanksgiving Day, but I, I can't not have a cutting board. So I send him to the store. Well, it's like, 45 minutes later, and he's not home, and we're having a house full of people, and um, I'm getting annoyed. He's not answering his texts. He's not answering the phone. Like, where could he be? And I know that when I send my husband to the store, it's never a quick errand because he loves to talk with people, and he'll find somebody to talk to, but this is Thanksgiving Day for crying out loud. Could you please hurry up? So he finally comes home. I'm like, where have you been? He says, well, I invited somebody to come for dinner. We, you don't know him. I'm like, okay. So there was this young man that Ken had seen several times at Walmart and said hello to him, but that was about, he, was, he worked there, and that was about the extent of their communication. But on his way home that day from picking up the cutting board, he sees this young man walking down the road. And he pulls over and decides to invite him to Thanksgiving dinner. Complete stranger. So he pulls over and he goes, I know you don't know me, um, and I promise you I'm not a weirdo. <laughs> he said that. And Cameron was in the back seat of the car, and he goes, see, I've even got my, my little son back here. I'm not some weirdo. I'm not going to, like pick you up and murder you or something. Um, and he said, but we're having a house full of people for Thanksgiving, and I just I want to invite you, because obviously he was all alone. It's Thanksgiving Day. He's just walking down the street by himself. So he, Ken gave this young man his uh, phone number, and he said, if you want to come, just give me a call. And he came home, and he's telling me. I'm like, okay. Well, probably, I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour later, he gets a call, and it's this 
die. And he says, I'm coming. And I, I didn't know him. Nobody knew him. Obviously, Ken had, that was the extent of their conversation. And he came, and it began this really neat relationship, primarily between Ken and this young man. Very broken, very lonely, no family in town. His whole family's on the East Coast, but his family's dysfunctional. He, you know, really, really rough upbringing. And we began to invite him for birthdays and holidays and just to come and be a part of our family. And this young man still doesn't know the Lord. He has not surrendered his life to Jesus yet. But because of the relationship with Ken, because of him being in our home and just spending time with our family, and he's open and he lets Ken speak truth to him. He listens, he, he takes it in and has a few arguments back, but, but overall he just, he listens. And I really believe that it's not a matter of if, it's when this young man surrenders his life to the Lord. But it all began with, would you like to come for Thanksgiving? I promise you I'm not a weirdo. <laughs> So just as the father has opened his home and invited us to feast at the table through Jesus, so do we, in Jesus' name, get the privilege to extend hospitality as a means of demonstrating God's grace, demonstrating his mercy, his forgiveness, his acceptance. So when you open your home to others, you are painting a picture of the gospel for people. Because it was at the invitation of the master that you were welcomed into God's family and given a seat at his table. So hospitality means loving the stranger, treating a new acquaintance like an old friend, sharing the best of your time and your possessions with the underprivileged. The Father has said, through Jesus, all are welcome in, at my table. And our hospitality to others should demonstrate that all are welcomed in Jesus' name and through Jesus. And you don't need a perfect-looking house. I've got eight kids and two dogs. So my illusions of perfection in my home, well, there are none, okay? There's no such thing as a perfect-looking house. That being said, part of hospitality is showing honor. And one of the ways in which we show honor is to tidy up our house and move the laundry off the couch, clean things up. And it's so really it comes down to why, the why of it. Why are we doing this? Why, are, why am I taking the time to clean my home? Is it to project an image that I have it all together? Well, you all know I don't, so you know. No, it's not. I don't prepare my home to, to put on this false image to look like Martha Stewart or Chip and Joanna Gaines or, you know, whoever is popular on TV right now. I prepare my home so that when people come, they feel honored, that they feel comfortable. It comes down to having a heart of honor to the people we welcome in our home. And you know what Jesus said? I'm going to prepare a place for you, right? He's the ultimate host. 
He's getting things ready for us. He is showing us incredible honor and love by doing that. And this is the heart behind what we do when we extend hospitality. So. Good morning. So Mitch asked me if I would share some of my family memories and experiences of what hospitality looked like for me growing up during worship this morning when we were singing, Oh, How He Loves Us. I was just sitting there thinking, I know he loves us. He loves me. But I'm not necessarily feeling anything right now. I think the primary way we feel God love us is through other people, for sure. It's, it is people's hospitality toward us. It's a, a kind note or a card or many other things. But it's it is God loving us through other people primarily because we are his body on the earth. My family, I think, is rather unique, at least in this day and age. Not unique from the Fosters, however. It started with me knowing my grandpa and grandma. We went to the first Christian church in Legrand till about first or second grade. And every Sunday, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating to say every Sunday, we would go to what my grandpa called the chicken house or the colonel, and he would bring a group of people, different people every time, two or three families at least, and, hey, do you want to come over to the chicken house for some lunch, which is KFC? We would come in, a big tribe of us, and the people would have to move the tables. I don't even think there's tables anymore. It's just booths. But, and we'd have big, long lines of people eating, and my grandpa was really good at bringing people in and... And it wasn't his friends necessarily. It was people that he didn't even know and that were new at church. So I saw this from a very young age, and it just was normal having people that were not our family at our house, too. He'd have people over to the farm. And um, he was also very, my grandpa, very giving about his time. It was just very good to see growing up. And, of course, my dad is now a lot the same way. We have had people over for holiday dinners. I don't even, my kids can attest to many different people not in our family over. You remember Frank and Jeff? I don't know if anybody remembers them from church, but every Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving holiday, it was Frank and Jeff at our table. And my kids from a very young age, they didn't know why. They, they didn't know how they were related to Frank and Jeff, but they pretty sh- pretty sure they were. But... <laughs> Um, and, you know, they're gone now and not part of it, but it's people from their church that are at every holiday dinner, an older couple that don't have a lot of family in town, and they come. And let's see, when I was, my kids were younger, too, going back, I remember him having, my dad inviting people that had just come out of jail and didn't have a place. He let a young man live with them and gave him work. And sometimes it was uncomfortable. There was uh, a couple... It was just coming off of meth, and they were at our family dinners, and I'm like, I have small children. You know, it was a little, it was a little disturbing to me, and, but my mom and dad were so gracious, and it really was a lesson to me of getting over myself and watching them let people in that I maybe that thought, oh, I don't know if I want to be around them. Yes, 
I do. Thank you, God, for showing me how to do this. My mom, so amazing. There was a friend of theirs that had a lady that had lost her husband, and she was kind of falling apart. They were trying to get her to come to church with them. Uh, they'd have her over for meals. She, my mom would fix her meals because she was just not able to function. She ended up losing her job, and then she lost her license, and my mom took her to her new job, drove her every day, and picked her up. She's not living in the valley anymore, but just that kind of self-sacrifice um, what, it is amazing to me. I can say I, I don't really live like that, and I need to. And I, I can't just talk about my family. I know there's a lot of people in this church that give and love and invite people, but I want to brag on the Fosters just a little bit. Becky's not going to brag on herself, but um, I think they're some of the most open, receptive people I've ever known, honestly. I could come to their house at any time, day or night, and I truly think they would receive me. They'd get up at 2 a.m. if I needed them to, and they wouldn't make me feel bad about it. I know both of them for years have had desires to go and be missionaries overseas and to go to the nations and to love people and to take care of orphan children. And that hasn't been, it's been in their hearts, but it hasn't played out maybe like they thought it would, if that's okay to say that. I don't know that I've ever seen anybody bloom where they're planted like the Fosters, where their heart maybe had been to be somewhere else they just stayed and let themselves go deep where God put them and haven't sat around thinking, when is God going to let me do what's in my heart to do? They've just done the work that's in their heart where they're at. And it's in bringing foster children in. It's interesting their name is foster, which means to come alongside and take care of, and they do that very well, um, to bring up bringing in children into their home and adopting them eventually, leading home group. Their home groups are supposed to be small. There's just every time it grows, it grows, and they invite more and more people and uh, hosting church activities. I'm just naming a few things that they do, and there's so many. Um, having the 4th of July picnic at their house, letting people trample all over their lawn and come in and use their bathroom, and I don't know. I can't even tell you probably this. I don't know what kind of things probably have happened that they... They open up and let happen, and not they don't complain about it. Holiday dinners, like Becky mentioned, Thanksgiving. I could probably ask a show of hands of how many people have been invited to their house for holiday dinners. People that didn't maybe have a place to go, their family's out of town, and they, they just bring them in. And I think their kids have grown up in an amazing, loving culture. A couple years ago, it started, we had the intern class, and I was trying to come and be part of the class. Freedom had ballet on Tuesday nights, so we're trying to get all the kids from school and in town, and how am I supposed to have food for my family and go to class? It was just really hectic, and Becky said, why don't you just eat with us? Six people? She fed us for two years every Tuesday night, all six of us, and it blew me away. It was was sometimes hard to receive because six people is a lot extra and she's an amazing cook by the way too and so you might say well the fosters are good at that you know they don't mind people coming into their home and messing it up or you know that's just their gifting 
well, we know that's not true. Becky already mentioned that, but actually it's a choice. They've made a choice to, to invest in other people because that's the kingdom. The kingdom is laying our lives down for other people. And is it easy for them? No. Is it convenient? No. Is it fun? Maybe sometimes. <laughs> is it messy? Absolutely. Is it fulfilling and exhausting at the same time? Yes. I know when Mitch will give me a call or text and say, hey, can we have so-and-so over this Friday or this Thursday? And I have to admit, I have a moment of panic. <sighs> no, I was going to do this and this and this, and my house is a mess, and I don't want to clean it up, and just all of that that I have to, to get over and say, yeah. <laughs> And it's not that I don't love having people over. When, when it's all said and done and my house is clean and I feel like I know what I'm going to fix, then I can be at peace about it. But it's, it's almost like I have to do it in faith. And I, it sounds funny. I have company in faith. But I have to say yes before I feel like all my ducks are in a row and I'm all ready to have people over. I just have to die to that having everything ready and right and say, yes, let's all call them, even though I have no idea what we're eating you know, I, I don't know if ever anybody can relate to that, but I, I am the kind of person that likes to have everything ready, and I've had to really let go of having my house perfect and having it all clean. And you know, I really related to that video. I don't know if anybody saw it. Of what was the name of that Mitch? What was it? Oh, are you? Oh, good. Okay, play this video. This is I related to this so much. I it's just hilarious. stop breathing. I laughed so hard when I saw that the first time. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know that I was ever quite that bad, but <laughs> my kids probably have stories that I stress out a little bit. But um, So I would say if you're a stressor, you probably need to let a little bit go. Maybe leave that dirty sock under the table. But <laughs> if you're a slob, you probably need to clean it up and have people over. So for me, I guess doing the hospitality thing is truly dying to myself. It's every time I, he says, let's have some people over, let's do this, I, I have to die again. I, I wish I was completely dead, but then God, re <laughs> God reminded me of the scripture when Paul said, I die daily. And it, it, it is, it is a dying to ourselves and what we want to do. I'm truly selfish, I know, when I get asked to let's host so-and-so I see my selfishness and I I don't like it but hospitality is kind of a big old-fashioned word but it just really means loving people bringing them in taking care of them feeding them it is about there is food it is food I don't know what it is but when you know Jesus 
communion. It involves food. It involves bread and wine. There's something about eating with people. So if you're, if you're not sure what your ministry is or your calling, there is no other ministry. This is it. Be purposeful to love people, to bring them in. It's not going to happen automatically. It's not going to happen when everything's perfect because that'll never be there. So uh, it's as simple as I'm going to get a Papa Murphy's pizza and we're going to have a carpet picnic. Or we have carpet picnics at our house. Or having someone over for tea. So those are my stories. I'll let you go. So this hospitality thing that God commands us to do, uh, I just want to reiterate what Becky and Sarah both said. It's not a gift of the Spirit. It's something that we're all required to do because it's something we all can do. Whether you are a single person, you can invite over another single person. Guys, that's not an excuse for a date. That's not what God has on his mind here with these commands to show hospitality. You can invite another single guy over and go bikes or motorcycles or whatever it is you can do together that's relational and you know, probably, you know, I don't know, maybe video games. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's what God has in mind. But a couple can have another couple over. A family can have over another family. A widow lady can invite another widow lady over for tea. It, whether you have a brand new baby Christian or you've been walking with the Lord for 80 years, there's no one who can't be a friend. That's, that's what this is. Is show kindness, show generosity, host another person, take care of somebody's needs. And I want to specifically address you fellow introverts. We're not off the hook. I know that half or two-thirds of you are in this church because you are scared to death of people. You just fit well in this church. (laughs) So, introverts, we are not off the hook just because you are not Larry Robbins or Ken Foster or Howard Elmer and you think every person you meet is the most interesting and I could talk to them for two hours. Okay, I know that some of you hate small talk, you hate fun, you want to go deep, fast. And you hate crowds, and okay, I totally get it. Introverts, unite. (laughs) You can do this too, though. We're not off the hook. God did not say, only if you are a people person, only if you like crowds and, and you get pumped by hosting big parties at your house. Some of you are like, no, I never want anybody around. I totally, I would go be Boo Radley and Imnaha if I could. I totally would do that all right so listen it doesn't you don't have to have 25 people at your christmas dinner table i know i realize that some of you that would really uh that would not minister to you and you would not be able to minister to anybody else in that sort of situation so but you can still do it it's you invite somebody over for coffee just one-on-one and you can have that deep meaningful intimate private conversation that you really like and want. Uh, you invite another couple out to go to Tin Depot or just go to coffee or whatever and just have that, but you're hosting somebody and maybe it's one person or one couple at a time. That's really what I like. I really like one-on-one conversation. I like having one family over at our house at a time. We've done the 4th of July picnic at our house. We do the pastor's picnic every year and 
And when we're in it, I'm having fun and it's good, but it really stresses me out to get ready for it and think about it. I just, even the wedding we had yesterday, I, going to it, I'm all anxious and stressed. And, and in the moment, it's fun and, and I can relax once it's going. But this, I understand, those of you with social anxiety, we get it. It doesn't have to look like anybody else. But there are no excuses. You can care for someone else intentionally. You can befriend someone else intentionally. And of course, guys, you're going to do something different than the ladies. Married couples are going to do something single people won't do. Older couples do it a different way than those in their 20s. And that's all fine. It doesn't have to look like anybody else. But we all are commanded to show hospitality to within our church family, to those that don't have families, and to those who are our neighbors. That's people at work and down the street, in your kid's school, other parents of classmates and so on, and strangers that just cross your path. Hello? So if you are a socialite and you just love meeting new people, more power to you. God bless you. If you're somebody that wants, I just, I, that's not me. I would like to just meet with a, another person and just pray together. And that's how I, that's what really would pump me up and get me excited. We'll do that. Just in, invite somebody over for tea and pray together. Or just, you know, uh, well, I'd, I just want to play uh, Pinochle or you know, just go out and ride bikes or let's go for a hike in the mirror or what? Do that. Do it. But host. Other people, entertain other people. Scripturally, it almost always includes food. There, we're going to talk about that next week, but food is very relational. It open, we don't just open our mouths, we open our hearts when we eat with somebody. That's why we, when we eat with Jesus, we are communing with him. And then a, a couple of other little um, definitions here on this subject. When the Bible tells us to show hospitality... In the ways that Becky showed you all those scriptures, Sarah gave you real-life examples in her family. To show hospitality, friends and family do not count. Do not hide behind your grandkids. Well, I've got people to take care of. We've all got people to take care of. Okay? Your, your friendly circle of regular, easy comfortable friends is not what God means when he says show, com- show hospitality to the stranger Jesus said what good is it if you only love those who love you what good is it if you only give to those who can give back to you this is God saying I want you uncomfortable at your own dining room table because a lot of times it is we'll have somebody over and we eat and we talk and and then they leave and we're like oh yeah we got good new friends and then other times it's like hmm well that was a bomb and so sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and you don't have to be everybody's best friend this is god's not calling you to be everybody's friend he's saying take care of the people in front of you be generous be caring be hospitable This is in addition to our families. This is in addition to our friends. And as Sarah told you, sometimes it's really uncomfortable. I grew up in a huge family, all local, real close. So when we had a holiday dinner at great-grandma's house and the second cousins were there, there was a lot of us. Sarah's family doesn't have very many local people, so there's always strangers and other people. And 
at first it was sort of strange. My parents had invited people over from church for dinner, and as a kid it was always really exciting, but it was always just one family or a couple at a time, and we'd kids would be running around outside, and the adults were playing cards or something, I don't know, but I come to her family, and there's always somebody else there, and and sometimes it was uncomfortable, and I, I, a lot of times I was jealous, like, who are these strangers that are in our family? But I've gotten used to it, and I agree with what Sarah said. It's, it's beautiful, and it's totally godly, and it's, it's totally a requirement that we take care of the single moms, of the widows, the people that have been abandoned or left, and their families are broken, and, and they need a place to be. They need recovery. It's beautiful, and it's good, and it's necessary. It is never convenient. God is not going to ask, oh, hey, do you have a spare three hours today? (laughs) Seriously. You have to make this happen. Because there is, like, well, some week when it's slower, we'll have some, we'll invite somebody over from church and we'll meet some new people. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. When is life going to get slower? Uh-huh. Yeah, you let me know if your life gets slower. I would really like to know the secret to that. If you have an unbusy week, please let me know. I would like to know how you accomplish that. <laughs> Friends and family are not what God is count- talking about. A couple other things is that your giving to charity is also not what this is talking about. This is in addition to our giving to the church or to the food bank or to the guy at the stop sign at the Walmart intersection because you can totally put, stop and roll down your window and hand a guy that guy a five dollar bill or a 20 and you're not giving of yourself at all all you're doing is easing your conscience so that you can drive on down the road Paul says if I give all of my possessions to the poor but I don't have love I have accomplished nothing And you and I do it all the time. We feel like we shouldn't drive past that guy. So I'll hand him a 10. But you didn't give yourself to him at all. Our charity giving to the ministries of the church or to the Salvation Army or how you can totally bring in a bag of food for the food bank in a way that it is impossible to invite somebody over for dinner. That's a whole different ballgame. You are really putting yourself out there, which is what God says. You give yourself. You give your time. You give, open your heart to these people, and you love them, and you take care of them. You don't just give to charity. Our service here, volunteering in the church or going to help a friend build a deck in their backyard or cleaning out the widow lady's gutter um, down the street. That's not what this is talking about. That's serving and that's absolutely necessary and it's another scriptural command, but that's not what we're talking about this morning. This is relational. I'm not just condescending to go help somebody and then I go on with my life. This is we make new relationships. How often? Every day they met together and ate together. Every day. <laughs> Yikes, God. That's a pretty high standard. Some of you, I'm lucky to see you twice a month. Every day. Yeah. So, everyone can do this. 
in your own style, according to your own personality. No one is excused. Everybody can do this. No matter how old or young you are, you can take care of other people. You can be a friend. You can meet needs. We're going to spend the next five Sundays talking about how to do this in 2017 in Union County. What does it look like to make relationships within our church? I understand that when new people come in, it is a very, very difficult thing to plug yourself into an existing church family because it's kind of clicky. People that know each other know each other. How do we bring other people in? If you are one of the new folks, how do you push your way in? How does that work? Hospitality. Invite somebody over to your house for dinner. We're going to talk about how to take care of people who can't take care of themselves. The widow, the orphan, the poor, um, people who are disabled, and so on. What's the, what does God require of us in that way? And then we're going to start talking about how to be a neighbor. How do we love our neighbor? Because, again, it does not mean have feelings for them. And it doesn't mean have good intentions, but we never actually carry them out. We actually have to know our neighbors and take care of them and love them in Jesus' name. And how do we do that in a way that isn't creepy? Because you know, living in Union County here, things are very, very friendly on the surface, but it's only about that deep. And then we fly right on by. The people at work, the people on our street, even the people at church. We just, we're, hi, how are you? Have a great day. Off we go to the next thing. How do we form meaningful relationships to share Jesus with people without coming off like a slimy salesman? Because that doesn't work. Not in Union County, it doesn't. Uh, Maybe it works in Portland or Boise. It does not work here. How do we make meaningful relationships, be a real neighbor in Jesus' name without being a Jesus salesman, but not just being a, not just a conversation over the fence like the rest of the neighborhood is having? We're going to talk about these over the next few weeks, and we're going to do it. Some of you are excited, and some of you are terrified. No, Mitch, don't tell us to do these things. Yeah, it'll be great. It'll be good. Everybody can do it, and we'll figure it out. I know that I know that I know that this is the word of the Lord. Um, We've been planning it, like I said, for weeks. Just didn't have a tough time to start this before Easter. I'm as clear on this as I have been in anything in a long time, that this is what God wants us as a church to do. This is his vision. This is his instruction. So please don't miss uh, the next few weeks. The 80s day is part of this. I'll tell you how, it, how that actually works out when you show up two weeks from today. But the 80s day is actually part of this. Uh, if you miss a Sunday, you can listen online and, and, and catch up. So God bless you all. Have a great week. Let this word marinate in you. Be ready to show hospitality.